you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's on the playground on the live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. Also, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio. Player FM, iVox. I've probably missed someone in there. All of our affiliates. Uh, it's great to be here with you. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host in Los Angeles and beyond. I'm a creative and performing artist. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California uh, every weekday, 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show is about everything that lives beyond the barriers of the earthbound plane. So whether you want to know, is there a God? Is there life after death? Um, have I astral projected? Or is there a Loch Ness Monster in my above ground swimming pool? It all belongs here on Haunted Playground. And every week on the show, I gather folks that I believe to be the brightest and loveliest and most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in the paranormal and the spiritual communities. And we talk about you know, everything that goes bump in the night. So I'm glad you're joining us. We're at hauntedplayground.com. And I'm, of course, at chinametalspiritual.com. And I'm very excited to have my guest on today. Uh, he is an award-winning content creator, a certified meditation leader. He's a sound therapist. I want to talk about all of those things and more. Um, he recently was a part of the wonderful Parapod Festival at the beginning of April, and I was so honored to be there speaking as well. Please welcome to the show. Robert Hensley is here. How are you, my friend? It's so good to have you here. It's so good to hear your voice. Hi, Gina. It's so nice to be here. Thrilled to have you here. So so tell me, since this is Haunted Playground, and since it, you are also in the paranormal community, but you're also an artist, right, which is very common, um, many of us, I think, in the spiritual world and the paranormal world are also in the artistic world because it's all the same channel. Uh, how did the um, the spiritual and paranormal enter your life? When did that sort of get onto your radar? Um, <laughs> very early on. My uh, my father um, <clears throat> was a very superstitious man. His mother before him was even more superstitious. Um, our house was filled with ghost stories and stories of witches and um, unexplained events, uh, so very early on. But was it was it filled with ghosts or just a story? Um, no, uh, just just the stories. Um, I don't I don't know that I've ever actually encountered a uh, ghost as in a as in a kind of a spectral uh, being. Um, but there have been, uh, you know, plenty of experiences, just uh, not necessarily in the home where I grew up. Interesting. Did their superstition make you want to learn more, or for a while did it make you sort of want to stay away from it? Um, no, it always piqued my interest. <laughs> 
I've, I've always been one of those people that you can't, you can't really kind of drop a nugget and then expect me not to go and try to find out more. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. And have you always been a spiritual I been, person? I would have been a hell of a journalist. Oh my God. I'm sorry, fantastic. what was that? But you kind of find a way, right? I mean, you interview people sometimes, so you, you're kind of, you kind of are in a way. Yeah, kind of in a roundabout way. That happened, um, you know, one of those kind of weird organic things that kind of came about. Yeah, and you're good at it because I watched. So you're you're as good on that <laughs> end as you are on this end. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, so what about what about spiritually? Have you how were you raised spiritually, and how did that evolve over time? Um. You know, what? growing up, my mom would always tell us that we were we were Protestant, and then it wasn't until I was kind of like in middle school that I realized that that could mean any number of things. Um, but um, I do remember my mother, um, I don't know, I must have been in like first or second grade, my mom started taking us to Sunday school, and there was a Mother's Day service, and my sister was part of a little group of kids and they sang Jesus loves all the, you know, Jesus loves the little children or whatever that song is. But my sister decided that her version, her version needed to be performed with her dress over her head. And (laughs) my my mother, my mother was so embarrassed that we never went, we never went. (laughs) Oh my God. That's fantastic. So that was the end of church going time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. My sister did a, you know, a little strip tease and that was the end of church. Oh, my God, that is um, completely fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and so, but, but, I mean, like, well, later on, I mean, uh-huh. you know, kind of as I got older, I, you know, I, you know, I, I did my, dipped my toes into a lot of different, um, you know, spiritual teachings and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and what's kind of, you know, where I find myself or how I figure out, like, you know, what fits best. And I just felt that, you know, so many of the organized religions, um, you know, they they take away a hell of a lot more than they give. Um, so yeah. I wasn't really yeah. excited about any of that. Um, and then eventually it just kind of got to this place where I figured that whatever relationship that I was going to have with, you know, the universe or the source or God, whatever you decide to call it, <clears throat> was completely personal and didn't need, you know, someone to kind of lead me through, you know, ritual. I could do all of that myself. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's great for those that need it. But I always kind of say when yeah. I teach that it's, it's organized religion is kind of like a fan club, right? It's like some, a Madonna fan club. But it's, but it's not Madonna. Like people in that fan club will sit around and they'll speculate like what Madonna thinks and what Madonna wants and what's happening next. But it's, you're not really talking to Madonna. And I think that's kind of how organized religion is. It's a God's fan club. And everybody's kind of trying to figure it all out and coming up with theories and ideas. But it's not necessarily coming from source. It's just a bunch of people talking about it. And if that's what you need, if that's what you want, then that's fantastic. And I think we also have to think about the fact that churches are businesses, right? Telling somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, don't become a Methodist because Lutherans are best is kind of like a commercial where they show you why the Big Mac is better than the Whopper. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you want the business. (laughs) You want to buy your Whopper. So it's, 
it's yeah, it's a, it's interesting, and I think it's so great if it's what you need, but I don't think people should be forced into it if it's not for them. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just you know, I again, if if it's something that you need, but for me, it's um, it's the equivalent of a book club, and I read enough other stuff that I don't need to attend your book club. Exactly. It's a book club. Sure. Yeah. It's, we're just a fan of club for a book. It's the exact same thing. It's a, it's a bunch of fans <laughs> sitting around talking about what they do. And I think that's so great, except don't then try to tell other people everything you're doing is wrong because that's, you don't know. And I think that's messed up so many people. I mean, the root of so many things. I mean, right down to how many people, you know, today in 2023, Robert, are living in active haunted houses or have had some kind of a ghost or ufology experience or angelic experience and feel like it's Satan and they're going to hell and they can't tell anybody or they'll be kicked out of their church. I mean, it's, it, it stops you from being who you organically are and really talking about your life. And that's when I kind of draw the line with it is when, when people are living in fear, because I just think fear is like the biggest evil on the earth. Yes. I agree. So, um, I have interviewed so many people in my life um, who were paranormal survivors, which is what I call when you've had an experience and survived it, um, or or investigators or whatever who, you know, oh, I told my family and they told me I couldn't come home, or um, anything that stops you from just being who you are in any aspect of your life, I think is is not a good thing, as long as you're doing something that walks in the light. I mean, I'm not saying come home and say, oh, I bit the head off a chicken. Oh, that's great, honey, come home. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, there are anything that's, that's positive or light-filled that you want to do with your life, you should be allowed to, and you shouldn't, just because you live in a house that's haunted, that's not your fault, and you shouldn't be made to feel like you've done something demonic for it to happen to you. And I think that's one of the things that I think that, all the paracons and the festivals and the conferences and the the events are so wonderful because people get out and some of those people have never met. Like I, I hosted a, a year Mid-South Paranormal in Louisville, Kentucky. And I mean, there were people I talked to there that had never even thought about telling anybody anything that happened to them and kind of came to this looking for answers, you know? And that's why it's so important that we keep spreading the word. So people, can find out what happened to them and and deal with it, right? Because not not all your experiences are, you know, here comes grandma with a Hershey bar, you know, passed on grandma. (laughs) Some of these experiences can be really intense, right? Absolutely. I think, well, you know, I think that anyone who tries to tell another person that their experience is evil or awful or whatever it might be. I mean, an experience is an experience, and you can't take that away from someone. Um, but also, you know, again, my kind of a pet peeve with, you know, religion is just kind of, you know, you can't have everything always. So if your God is, you know, created everything and is omniscient and omnipresent, and then that ghost is just a much a part of his plan as you are. Yeah. You know, so it's so we can't say this is awful and horrible and evil because if it's there, he deemed it necessary for it to be there. Right, right. Like yes, that, but like okay. that's what 
You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of like yeah. you can't – there's so much of this jumping sides of the fence, and it's great when it's good, and if it's bad, we're going to change our theory over here, and we're going to – until that works, and then – yeah, it's, it's, he either, it's either part of, his, part of his plan or it's not. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I will ask you, though, do you believe in darkness? Do you believe there are things that are not of the light? Do you believe there are things that are not created by light, God's source energy, that they are from somewhere else and they are not, they're not good? Um, I do. I believe that. I mean, I believe in balance, you know, that there are, that there's light. There's darkness because there's light. Um, yeah. Do I, but do I believe that everything that falls in darkness is evil and ruled over by something horrible and awful and that's trying to tear us all apart? Um, no, not really. Um, I get. I just. I don't. My personal feeling is that you know. I think that um, again, if if there's a source, if what is there it's it's all there because you can't have one without the other um that's true but that's that doesn't mean yeah. but that doesn't mean that what's work i think that what is evil and horrible and nasty that resides in the dark is man-made there's a the universe is a balance of light and dark like you said and one can't mm-hmm. exist without the other um i do believe right. there is a a force of darkness but i don't believe it's like some little red dude with a pitchfork and, you know, <laughs> you're going to go there. Because I'm sorry, you gambled and now you have to go to hell. I don't think it's that, but I do think that there definitely is a balance. And whenever there's a balance, like the yin-yang symbol, right, and the light can't live where the dark is and the dark can't live where the light is. Right. Um, right. I always – that's not what yin-yang is, but I always envision it like the yin-yang symbol, the way it looks. And some days you have a day where it's mostly light, a little bit of dark, and sometimes you have a day and it's twitched. Um, but um, I do think it's the it's the light's job to put more light in the world, and it's the darkness's job to put more dark in the world. And I sort of use the analogy like because um, I grew up in a in a surf town that you can't like when you when you surf, you know the sharks are there. You do what you can to stay away from them. But if a shark decides to take off your toe, it's not personal. It's just what they do. And I think it's the same thing with darkness. You can't, you can't make it personal. It's not personal. It's just what it does. Um, right. Well, and, and I, well, that's, and I, that's kind of what I was, maybe I didn't, in case I didn't no, exactly. define it correctly for myself. But, I, you know, I think that, you know, yes, Darkness exists because there's light, and light exists because there's dark, and there is that balance. I think that, you know, my whole thing is I think that, you know, kind of devils and demons and, you know, a lot of, a lot of what people, what people are told that they need to fear, you know, I don't think that those are, those are kind of man-made constructs. I don't think that they exist in nature. If that yeah. makes sense, <clears throat> yeah. You know, because again, it, it comes, it comes, it comes down, to, it comes down to the book club. You know, trying to, you know, get more people in right. the coffee shop. Exactly, exactly. And I believe in all of it. I believe in dark energy. I believe in demons. I, I believe in all that stuff. I just think that it's not. Um, 
we make it all a little more personal than it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, oftentimes if you, if you wind up having some kind of negative or, or demonic, God forbid, demonic activity in your home, it's kind of like if you're, you know, in swimming in a lagoon and a shark gets in. It's not – the shark didn't come looking for you. You just happened to be where it was already. I talk about this when I teach about narcissism because I teach a lot of classes in the narcissistic recovery world. And I always say that, you know, narcissists are like sharks. Like, they have a right to be here the same way that we have a right to be here. We don't have to like mm-hmm. it. So you just have to stay away from them, and you, you don't attract them the same way that you – you don't stay out of the water because the sharks are there, but you don't cover yourself in blood and go in the water because the sharks are there. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing exactly. with negative activity in the house. You know what I mean? You don't, don't draw a pentagram – uh, in the middle of your living room and pray for dark spirits to come and attack you and then get upset when they do. Um, just like you wouldn't like, to, you know, uh, turn on every halogen bulb in the world in your backyard and then get mad because moths come. It's, I think the universe is very much a scientific balance. And there are things mm-hmm. you can do to make your environment more light-filled so then you don't have the darkness around you. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it comes down to, I mean, to it's it's what's natural. I mean, of course, sharks are in the water because that's where they live. Uh, right. You know, yep. it's not that you. Right. It's not that you. Not not that you wanted the sharks to be there, but you're stepping into their natural world. And so, if right. you are stepping into a place of darkness willingly or in doing anything to invite that in and not try to curb it then naturally darkness is going to um, beget more darkness unless we take a natural step to keep the darkness at bay. Right, right. And I think that whether you're talking about external darkness or darkness within you, the Mm -hmm. way to get rid of it is raise your light, you know, raise it up, raise your light. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that Martin Luther King right about. Uh, hate doesn't, more hate doesn't fix hate. Only only love can fix hate. And I think it's the same yep. way with light and dark. Because I think in a way, hate is kind of darkness and love is kind of light. So it, it sort of works the same way. You don't, you don't go after it by running around your house screaming, I'm going to kill you, you dark spirit. You just, you know, put on some happy music in a Disney movie and laugh and dance and become a place that's so light-filled that darkness doesn't want to live there. Exactly. So for you, when did you sort of start your journey into alternate spirituality and into becoming somebody who does sound healing and, and teaches meditation? And where did, all, where did all of that start for you? Were you sort of left the, I, I'm a Protestant, um, except now my sister's dress is over her head, and kind of move into <laughs> finding her own spiritual palette? Um, probably in, um, I mean, after college, I was in my twenties, I think. Um, and I really started, I had, I had had one, I had given, um, (laughs) kind of, you know, Christian organized religion, one more shot. Um, and it went incredibly wrong. And oh no, (laughs) I just, I just realized at that point that I, that it was not, it was never going to be what I, what I needed. 
Um, and so I started then really thinking about and putting more effort into kind of um, kind of seeing what other people, smarter people, <laughs> wiser people were were saying about religion and really their and not just not necessarily religion but their relationship with God. Um, right. Sure. And and that to me is when I realized that there were um, that there were other kind of organizations of faith that um, were not necessarily linked to um, the Christian church, <clears throat> that there were people who, you know, believed in the science of mind, um, that there were people who, um, you know, believed in, you know, kind of ancient forms of mysticism, and that really at the, yeah. at the heart of all of them was really that, you know, these people were practicing something that was very personal and that didn't require, you know, leaving your house and going to another building and tithing and, you know, uh, you know, paying for, you know, the preacher to drive around in a Rolls Royce. Um, yeah. And so, and so that, that for me is when it kind of started, when I started realizing that that relationship could be defined any way that I felt comfortable and that, you know, that like any relationship that I would get out of it, what I put into it. Um, and that's really kind of been my philosophy for, <laughs> for a long time. I mean, I, I think that <clears throat> the one true thing that is kind of upheld in, in most religions is that, you know, kind of the golden rule, you know, don't be a dickhead and people won't be a dickhead yeah. to you. Um, and that, that seems that seems to answer a lot of questions in a lot of situations. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so just this idea of being um, comfortable with that relationship for myself um, was what I practiced for a long time, and then um, I've been you know kicking around being an artist for feels like a billion years, uh, <laughs> but. Um, I recently had uh, I injured my hand and I wasn't able to to work um, in the art form in which I've you know made a living for so long and um, I felt myself kind of slipping away into a um, into a place that I wasn't comfortable with and that I didn't want to be and that I I didn't want to be angry or bitter or um, feel that vulnerable just because this one thing had changed. Um, and so I started, I turned a little more towards meditation and thought I needed to put into practice and pull myself up on my bootstraps and find a way of kind of elevating and lifting myself into the light and, and finding a way to stay there. Um, and so I started taking some classes and uh found great teachers and mentors and, and felt really comfortable in this place. And, uh, you know, one thing leads, like I said, you can't give me a nugget and not expect me not to go look for more information. Um, right. And so I, so I heard about elemental meditation and uh, had taken a small class about, uh, and then it just kind of snowballed. And the next thing I knew I was, you know, taking my, 
certification exam to be a, an elemental meditation leader, and um, and then that led to sound therapy, and yeah. So it was just it just kind of all organically kind of flowed together this this journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is that? Why don't you explain for my listeners exactly what you mean when you say elemental meditation? Um, elemental meditation is <clears throat> meditation that focuses on honoring our connection to the natural world. So uh, during the meditation, we would, uh, you know, and it can be done in a number of ways, but you would, during the course of your meditation, you would honor your connection to earth, air, fire, water, um, you know, which is, you know, focusing on uh, your breathing, your emotional stability, your um, your vitality, your energy levels, um, <clears throat> and really kind of your groundedness. Um, and it's just a way of, of really finding or having something to focus on so that it, you're not... Uh, I don't know, I guess... Um, I guess in, for me, mindfulness meditation is always a little was always a little difficult for me because I I could focus on all kinds of things to be mindful about, um, and sometimes they were, and sometimes it would end up veering off and being completely mindless. Um, but I found that elemental meditation because I knew that I was there was more of a more of a ritual aspect because you were working your way through the elements and honoring this connection to the natural world, um, it felt right. It felt more succinct to me. It was easier to focus. It was easier to feel that elevation kind of happening in the moment. Um, it, also, it also took away a lot of the kind of the, the esoteric quality of, you know, how do I fit in? Where do I fit in? How does this work? I was suddenly focusing on <clears throat> something that allowed me to really feel the connection between myself and every other thing on the planet and in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, that's beautiful. And did that lead you into, from meditation, Robert, did that lead you into wanting to explore more elemental spirituality or elemental witchcraft. I mean, all those different things, right? That Wicca, um, yeah, I mean, have it, you ever studied <laughs> that? All, all it, that? It, um, it did. I actually, um, I, I took several classes in Celtic shamanism um, and uh, spirit animal guidance and, um, those things really kind of drew my attention. Um, I haven't explored Wicca, um, although I am very, um, I'm intrigued by, I'm intrigued by, um, there's a book that came out recently called The Witch's Apothecary by Lorian Anderson. Sure. And, um, and, she has created this, I mean, beautiful volume of, I mean, it's, it's like hundreds, it feels like hundreds of recipes for um, 
you know, she refers to them as potions, but they're, you know, they're, they're essential oils and they're bath salts and they're room sprays and they're incense. Um, but they yeah. all have, but she's found this great way of presenting how these ingredients connect with um, the seasons of the year on the witch's wheel or the wheel of the year. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful book. And that, that has gotten me thinking more about, you know, this idea of foraging and finding these, you know, ingredients and, and, and realizing that, again, that connection with the natural world could be something that is, you know, more beneficial than, you know, running out and trying to find something in, you know, at CVS. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so it definitely, right. it definitely has opened my eyes to the, the possibilities of, of other forms of, you know, earth magic, um, you know, other, other elemental studies. Go down the rabbit hole, right? It's once you get in there, then you're like, oh, my God, there's so much my, I didn't I know about everything. Every- rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I, I can't stay. I, I can't stay out of it. Well, you know, because, well, part of, you know, what I do for God, I, I, I'm trying to think of how to say it. So, because I, I host a short form paranormal news thing for Truth Be Told. And, uh, right. We, <laughs> you know, so Tony created this kind of paranormal podcast, this brand, and he was looking, about a year ago, he was looking for someone to kind of help add content to the channel and kind of diversify things a little bit. And so I started pulling, you know, I would scour the internet or read books and find these really strange little stories and lists and things, and I would, I cannot fall in a rabbit hole. I, I spend, I mean, even today before, you know, our this call, I, you know, I spent three hours in a rabbit hole looking for why do people in the Bible live so long. I don't know that I'll ever find an answer, but I mean, <laughs> apparently there's, Apparently, there's enough there to keep me quiet for three hours. But do you think they did actually that long, or do you think that's part of the Bible that's allegorical? You know, I don't know. the Bible's part allegorical and part allegorical, right? Yes. Well, I mean, like like I said, it's a, it's a great book club, and they've really chosen um, a great series. Um, but, you know, I was I – was and it started because I was, I was researching the Abrahamic religions – and I realized that in the stories that I was reading that, you know, Abraham was 99 years old when God came to him and told him to go to the land of Canaan. And he was like 150 when his son was born. And his wife, right. Sarah, was supposed – she was like 90 years old when she gave birth to this, this baby. Um, you know, right. and his brother Lot was 170 when he died. Um, but then if you look, I mean, there are these stories from, like, you know, ancient Samaria and Mesopotamia, these, you know, you know, some of these gods, the Anunnaki, were, you know, they ruled for, you know, 8,000, 23,000 years. Right. Um, you know, and these people were living these incredibly long lives. And then, you know, a few hundred miles away in Egypt, you know, Pharaohs were dying at the age of 18. 
Right. So I don't. Right. So yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think part of it is allegory, and then. But but you know it's just it's it's a question that I have. <laughs> right. I have to, you have to wonder also if, if it has to do with clean living, because certainly the pharaohs, the Romans, I mean, they were messing in a lot of stuff, doing a lot of stuff that was not terribly good for their bodies. And <laughs> right. um, there is, there and is also, that. I mean, like, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there was no pollution, you know, aside from aside from what pollution they caused themselves, which was basically you know human waste, um, but they, right. you know, but but they were, I mean, they were eating food that they grew. There weren't preservatives yeah. and chemicals and all of you know. Um, but then, of course, you know, we do. We get to the Egyptians and we realize that they're you know painting their eyelids with lead paint and right, <laughs> exactly, injecting yeah. so all... what. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, which which could lead to any number of, of issues. And of course because they were building, you know, these cities that had, you know, waste and sewage problems and you know, and those things affect health and longevity as well. But also, you know, the you know, a lot of those Egyptians who were dying young were they were being killed off by, you know, cousins who wanted to take the throne. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that too, right? You ingest a little bit of that lead, and you're done. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, that's a that thing to be. I don't think in all my years of radio, I don't think anybody's ever told me they were studying why people live so long. Something I've never thought about that before. I guess I just assumed it was allegorical. Well, Sheena, like I said, I I live in rabbit holes. I can't not go down one. Right. I just every yeah, every, I, every day I'm I, trying to find something about something. The Bible, I guess, I'm always trying to find the the what the the code in the story. Like what what is that code for? You know, like Ezekiel's <laughs> wheels, right? It's clearly clearly a spaceship. I mean, it's all these different things. I think, oh, well, that's that, and that's that. I guess I'm always trying to like unlock the puzzle of what it really means. I think sometimes the Bible's a little bit like listening to Yoda talk, right? You have to kind of move move the words around and figure out what it means. Well, you know, I mean, for me, and, you know, and I'm, I'm a bit cynical sometimes to begin with, but, you know, I just kind of feel like there really isn't, at this point in time, a reason to try to read the Bible and interpret it as anything more than you know, a second-rate translation of something that may have been really great and true. You know, but we've, you know, the Bible is missing so much from its original text and has been, you know, altered by man for, you know, whatever political and, you know, monetary reasons. Exactly. That it's, right. that it's, exactly. that it, that we, we don't know that the tome that is in front of us is, real anymore it's not it's 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 become something else um yeah you know so and and you know and the the funny thing is is the, the rabbit hole started today because again for for the minuteman report for a truth be told i was looking into um the relationship between um the judaic christian and muslim words for 
for God. Um, and I was reading this paper about by a linguist who was explaining that, you know, the word in the Hebrew Bible and in the Christian Bible, God is sometimes referred to as Elohim, which is, sure. rela- is directly related to the word Allah. Um, and that when we break mm-hmm. them down entomolo- entomologically, <clears throat> that it, it stands for the God. That's not God's name. Right. It's just... It's just the word for the God, um, and that for whatever reasons that we're still fighting amongst ourselves, the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, we're all worshiping the same God. Of right? It's not it's not three separate gods. It's it's the same the same dude, right? We've just somehow chosen to worship or practice our religions differently. Um, whether that right. is grounds for trying to kill each other off, I have no idea, but I mean, I don't think so, but, um, you know, man's been trying it for the last, you know, however many thousand years. So, uh, <laughs> right. but, but yeah, so, and right. of course, you know, you're, you're reading this stuff and then of course you start coming across, you know, like little bits and pieces and then, and then somewhere in there, it mentioned something about Abraham being 99 years old. And I thought, well, how, how does that work? And so then, Again, the rabbit hole starts. It's, it's, it's always starts small, and then it gets bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting there with, like, a computer with, like, 100 tabs open, and I'm trying to map stuff out on a piece of paper and figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. 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 You I know, it that. just – yeah, yeah. But that's just, that's just what I do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best, one of the best things about our community is that, um, I mean, it keeps you out of trouble, right? It's constant hours <laughs> of just speculating, figuring out. It, it uses your brain. It uses your soul. It, it uses your emotions. It's, you know, you're not hurting anybody. You're not doing anything bad to yourself. It's, um, for the most part, a very good rabbit hole to be down to try to figure out and unlock some of the mysteries of it all without with, with 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 rationalizing within yourself, right, Robert, that you're never going to unlock all of it. Because that's when the right. people really get in the foil hat rabbit hole, when they believe that they're actually going to figure it all out in this lifetime themselves. Because they're, we're never, just when you figure out one mystery, ten more mysteries pop up in your face. Right. Well, you know, and for me, I'm kind of, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't want to understand all of it. I mean, what's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of the fun of what we, you know, of, of being on this planet in this plane in this present moment is, you know, the mysteries that are out there. Like, even if you, you know, just yeah. find the answer to just, you know, to one question, I mean, it's, it's great, but it's, you know, I want that, I want that there is something always to learn. Yes, I think. Yes. I think. I, I think. Isn't Jack? Nich- isn't it Jack Nicholson who said that if you're if you aren't if you aren't learning, you're dead? That's true. Well, I think that's definitely true about everything about learning about earthbound stuff and outside of the confines of earth stuff. You have to continue to sure. keep learning. Well, I don't. That's the thing is, I don't think that there's. <clears throat> I mean, in the context of learning, I don't think that there's anything. I mean, there's you know, there's the kind of you know quote-unquote, education learning, but I don't think that that's as important as, 
you know, being able to kind of learn about everything else in the universe. And there's so many, you know, whether it's, you know, introspective, you know, or, you know, you're something that you're, I mean, whatever it is, I just think that it's really important that, that we're able to continue to learn, whether that's, you know, I agree. whether that's grow a plant or contact the dead or see a spirit or strengthen your psychic abilities or learn how to fix the toilet, whatever it is, we should all just continue yeah. to learn. You know, I grew up in a really rural area, um, and we were very, we were poor. Um, you know, the, the, the area, the, the county that I grew up in was actually the poorest in the state. And, um, and I remember one time that my grandfather was, was telling me that, you know, the only thing that I could do to better myself and to become a success was to never stop learning because knowledge was the one thing that someone could never take from you. Yes. Like the bank, the bank could come and take your car. They could come and take your house. They could take that. But if you had knowledge, if you learned things, you would find you would be able to continue and find a way through all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's just something that you know has kind of stuck with me. I love and I love learning. I love it so much. You know, whether it's you know, like I said, spending an hour or three hours you know, on the age of the people in the Bible or, you know, or, you know, spending an afternoon, you know, thinking about and learning more about, you know, meditation practice and, you know, coming up with, you know, sound combinations for a therapy session or, you know, those things, I mean, there's there's nothing better than than allowing yourself to figure things out and to learn, to kind of build up that block of wisdom. Absolutely. Now, how did sound healing come about for you, and when did you start taking an interest in that? Um, (laughs) It was during during the same time as um, the meditation stuff was happening. I I kind of put myself through a, a, I don't know, three or or four months. It was just kind of an, um, an intensive period. Like I just started signing up for classes and like I would take like one class in the morning and then have like my, af- like the first part of my afternoon free. And then I would take another class in the afternoon and then I would like go to dinner and then I would come back and do an evening class. And sometimes it was meditation. Sometimes it was a spirit animal class. It was a shamanism class. It was a sound therapy class. Um, <clears throat> but I, realized when we were, when I was um, really getting into elemental meditation and I was um, so drawn to this idea of the connectedness of the universe. Um, And then we were talking about the, um, talking about energy waves and how every action kind of sends a ripple into the universe. And that that ripple comes back. Like there's the cause and the effect, the action and the reaction. And um, <clears throat> and for some reason in my head, it just kind of struck. And I was like, I was like, oh, sound therapy. Like that's all about wavelengths and sending ripples into an energy, into a space and into a person. And uh, yeah, so I started taking, I took like the first class and I really loved it. And then, you know, I bought a couple of drums and some flutes and, 
Sheena, I own so many flutes. Um, and <laughs> oh, I love, I, I love it. <laughs> I I don't know why I bought so many flutes, but I have flutes. I, I can't play any of them. I don't because I, as much as I wanted to play them, I because I had injured my hand, I can't, I can't do the fingering of the flute right. So anyway, but I okay. have them. I have them in it, and at some point I will Still? figure out how to even if I have to play one hand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so there my, will be a I'm mashing. Yeah, but my my hand is is healing very nicely. Thank you, and so I'm hoping to be able to to play the the flute. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I got invited to take a master class, and uh, really kind of dug into that, and really kind of um, I just I loved it. It was great. I lo- I mean everything. Um, everything from the meditation and becoming certified as a meditation leader, um, sound therapy, and it was just, I don't know, for me it was, a, it was another way of kind of servicing or being able to help people. Um, yeah. Which is kind of, which is, you know, that's kind of my bag. I've, you know, I'm, you know, like I said, I've spent a million years in the entertainment industry behind the camera working with actors and um always being in the crew. You know, I love helping and collaborating and being a part of seeing something come together. Um, sure. And this was, it was, this, it was the same feeling, right? You know, you're, you're talking with people and guiding them and leading them and, and you see this transformation that happens. And, um, and there's nothing really quite like that moment when everybody opens their eyes and you see that shift. That's, I mean, it's it's beautiful and incredible, and yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And did you do you work with bowls? I'm sorry, what was that? Sound bowls? Oh, bowls. Um, <laughs> I do, but I, I did it was bowls. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the word was, and I was kind of like, I was like, wait a minute. That and there's literally someone standing on the floor above me who is like, I don't know what they're stomping on, but like they were stomping while you were speaking, and I couldn't hear. Anyway, yes, bowls. I was a late adopter of the bowls. I tried my damnedest to figure out a way to get around using uh, bowls. and okay. not for any other reason than just everyone and their mother has a set of bowls. Yeah. And um yes. But then it, it you know there was it was just kind of like it was so it was it was starting to get requested all the time. Like can you bring bowls? Yeah. You have bowls, we need bowls. So I finally, you know, finally popped up and bought the bowls and so yes, I do work with bowls. Um and <laughs> and now that I have them I love them. I was just, for some reason, I was so against them to start with. You know what? I was resistant to bowls, too. And, like, um, this year, and now I have four, but they're pretty much all from this year. And um, one was gifted to me. One was a birthday present. One I bought. Two I bought. One's little. Well, I, well, I had one for a l- longer, but it's real little. It doesn't have a lot of sound. It's, like, one of those you got, like, off of Amazon just to see. But now I have three beautiful ones. Um, 
Now, do you like brass, copper, crystal? What's your What's your jam? Um, I have a couple. I have a couple of small brass bowls, um, like the Tibetan bowls, um, which I adore. I love them so much. Um, and then I have a set of crystal orchestra bowls. So they're like the, you know, the ginormous, like I could right. stick my head in them. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, um, like I said, they're, they're great. They're beautiful. I love them now. I just, for some reason, I was so, I was so against doing anything with bowls for so long. But, uh, but they're so, I, but yeah, the crystal, it's, so clear and the tone is so um, gorgeous, just sumptuous, and uh, yeah, and it's the and it's and it's the thing that I feel like you know I used you know my Tibetan bowls I thought you know like such a clear ringing and just gorgeous and um, <laughs> even but the brass bowls now um, sound so like mundane uh, in relation to the crystal bowls. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that the the brass and bowls look. I love the copper bowls. I don't own a copper bowl, but I'd love to have a pounded copper bowl because I love the energy of copper. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the way the crystal bowls sound. Kind of magic. Especially if they're huge yeah, and a little was... mini basket. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah love them like I, again it's probably i love the flutes more if i could just play them flutes are coming but flutes are coming now when you have somebody flutes, are, you flutes are coming the flutes are I'm coming sorry, they're coming that? they're on their way to the ceiling yeah. and the flutes are coming yes yes Imagine flutes are coming it's going to be in full um in full effect it's going to be fantastic i know well you know that's the one thing that we had um you know, when we were in our coursework, in our classes, you know, playing with this idea of, you know, uh, playing in duets and triads and bringing in other sounds and creating texture and working with things that were not necessarily um, traditional um, kind of sound bath uh, equipment. And I really just fell in love with the, the whole idea of, um the combination of flutes and drums and bowls and um, kind of shakers and rattles and just everything. I I've, I've, I even learned how to play, um, what is that thing called? Oh, the kalimba. Oh, oh, yeah, those With, are beautiful. It, I just, I'd never heard of one until I took this class. And now I, you know, it's it's like my favorite thing to play. Right. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, what else are you hoping to get into? What's your next your next skill you'd like to do? Meditation, sound. What's next? Good God, um, I have no idea. It'll it will it will unfold um, organically, however it works. Um, I did take some of my some of the time after classes. Um, to fall into a rabbit hole and I designed a set of meditation cards um, 
beautiful. Yeah, and so those are those are available now in my Etsy store. Um, but we have, uh, yes, yeah, so I've I've done the the meditation cards. I've um, I'm teaching some group classes uh, on the East Coast throughout the summer. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know what's next. I mean, whatever, whatever what rabbit hole, like whatever rabbit hole I go down tomorrow may lead me to something else. I don't know. That's exciting. I can't wait to see your cards. I love cards. Oh my goodness! Well, make sure you text me your address. I'll send you a deck. Oh my god, I would love that. Um, that's so awesome. Thank you. So, uh, because we're running out of time, please come and do this with me again. I'd love it. And uh, anything oh, you're you doing, do. count me in. I love the way you are, and I'd love to collaborate with you on anything. Um, I like when like people I resonate with, I resonate with, to come together on things. I think that's so awesome. Uh, where can people find your store and everything so they can find you? And then um, let's do this again. Yeah. Um, okay. So the Etsy store is rhmeditation.etsy.com. And on there, they will find my Celtic Spirit Animal Elemental Meditation deck, and they will find my Cardinal Elements sticker, the sticker that I designed. Um, I okay. never designed a sticker before. I'm really proud of it. And, um, and then uh, every awesome. morning at around <laughs> every morning between like 7:30 and 8 o'clock on Instagram Live, I do a, a live meditation prompt. I draw cards from the deck, and we do a prompt for the day. Um, and my Instagram is uh, at Rob Hensley. So that's R-O-B-H-E-N-S-L-E-Y. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Um, those, are, those are the two places to find me, really. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. I'm going to go follow you on Instagram right now. And, um, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. And let's do this again soon. The wonderful Robert Hensley, everybody. How much fun was that? If you missed those links, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com and find me everywhere on social media at SheenaMetal. Of course, HauntedPlayground.com for the show, LiveParanormal.com and iHeartRadio.com are the networks and all of our affiliates. Till I see you next week, seek peace, live in love, kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration and know that you are loved and you are loved and you're loved by me. I'm Sheena Metal. This is Haunted Playground. I'll see you next time.